heart of God is to restore and to redeem. It's the heart of God. It's the desire of God. The Bible says that the Lord is not willing that anyone should perish. You know, God designed marriage to succeed. God didn't design marriage to fail. In the beginning, God created Adam and Eve in his image, and, and he blessed them, and he told them to be fruitful, to be multiplied. The heart of God for your marriage today is to win. Everyone say win. win. God wants us to win. God wants us to be redeemed. I want to tell you a story about a marriage that didn't win. In 1866, there was a couple. Their name was John and Ann Balsley. John and Ann Balsley. They met each other. They were a young couple. She was in her mid-20s. He was in his early 30s. And they, they met in New York City, and they got married. They had great dreams and aspirations and goals. And they, wanna, they really wanted to do something with their life. And at that time, the United States government was giving land-grant deeds. If you would move to an agricultural state like Florida, if you would move to this community uh, and you would work a certain piece of land that they had already designated, they would give you up to 100 acres, up to 100 acres. All you had to do was to work that property for five years. For five years, you'd work that land, you'd produce on that land. And so John and Ann, they took the challenge. And as a young couple, they moved right here to Central Florida. As a matter of fact, they moved right here to this property. And when you came in today, you might not have noticed, but if you've been around here for a while, you'll see there's an old farmhouse. People have asked me, is that, that building over there part of your campus? Yeah, that's, it's one of the buildings that we inherited when we purchased this campus. Can you put a picture of that farmhouse real quick for me? This, this property, this particular house was built in 1878. I've done some research, our team has done some research, and as much as we can tell, it looks like it's the third or fourth oldest house in Seminole County, one of the oldest structures that's still standing, and not only in this community, but also in this county. It's got a story. Let me tell you John and Ann's story. John and Ann moved to Central Florida, they began to develop that property, and in 1878, they were granted 100 acres of land. They developed that property, and for the next 15 years, they succeeded. They succeeded at least financially. They built a house, they built a farm, they were prosperous. They actually adopted a child. She was never able to get pregnant. She actually, they adopted a child, a, a man by the name of Frank. But 1893, something had happened. Their marriage failed. Their marriage failed. As a matter of fact, this newspaper article made it all the way to the New York Times in 1893, September 26th. And the title of the art article is Marriage Failure. Marriage Failure. What happened on September 25th, 1893, is that this young woman by the name of Anne Marie, she couldn't take it anymore. She took a gun, she went upstairs, and she shot her husband. She killed him. She, as his body laid there for the next day or two, she, uh, she, she killed herself. She left a note on the front door. You can read the article. She left a note on the front door, and it simply said, I couldn't take it any longer. Not only was it a marriage failure, it was a spiritual failure. Complete failure. You know, the Bible, the Bible tells us about restoration. The Bible tells us about redemption. There was a prophet who lived many, many, many years ago. As a matter of fact, he lived 2,500 years ago. And he was writing to the children of Israel. The Israelites had failed. And because of their sin and because of their failure, they ex many of them experienced death. They were captured by the Babylonians. They were taken into captivity. And then after a period of time, God began to release them. This particular prophet, he, he began to speak to the people of God, about God's destiny of redemption and restoration. In Haggai chapter 1, Haggai chapter 1, 
the Bible says the prophet said this to these people. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Then look at verse number 14. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josadak the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and they began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. God stirred something up in their heart. See, the heart of God was to restore and to redeem. This prophet would go on in the next chapter and say that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former house. See, God always saves the best for last. 1878, no one knew that this little house over here would still be standing on tw in 2018. As a matter of fact, when we first bought this property and we were thinking of the master plan, as many of you know, if you've been here, we are, we're just on the very verge of kicking off our, 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 the first phase of what God has called us, to, we believe God's called us to do on this property, putting our educational wing in and bringing City Church Academy from the airport campus over to this property. And we're believing the Lord's going to help us make that happen here over the next couple of months. But our office... And the, in the in-between time, our staff has been meeting over in this modular, and uh, we had to take all the staff out of there. And literally, our pastors right now have no place to meet. We meet in the cafe. We meet in the green room. We have different – we don't actually have physical offices. So after conversations with their team, and, and, and initially our thought was just to bulldoze the building down and just to kind of move on and build something else for offices. But uh, I begin to think about the heart of God, the heart of restoration, and what God has allowed me to do in my life. When I was a young man, my wife and I were in Seattle, and I managed 56 units. And in that time of managing for five years, I was able to remodel 35 of those units. Over the last almost 30 years of my life, I have, by the grace of God, I've been able to be part of restoring, remodeling many, many structures, many houses. Every house that we've owned, we've always improved. Every building that we ever leased or rented for the church, we always left it better than when we found it. I began to think about that farmhouse and that story. When I heard that story, I heard that story about that double murder-suicide. I said, you know what? God wants to redeem that. God wants to restore that. So I, 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 we begin, as a team, begin to talk about it, and, and we've put together a strategic plan on it. And I wanted to show you a couple of the, the uh, architectural plans that we've got here. We're basically, it's called historical function, uh, historical functional. And what's going to happen is there is some rotten wood on there, and there's some roof. You know, you can see the roof is quite old. As a matter of fact, that metal roof on there is 100 years old, 100 years old. The only place that that metal roof has ever leaked is where somebody had a bright idea in the 1980s to cut a hole in the roof to put a fireplace in there. Nowhere else. There's no other leaks on the property. The only wood, the only wood that's rotten on that building is wood that wasn't built as part of the original structure in 1878. The wood that's been added, the wood that was put on there in the 50s and the 60s and the 80s, that wood has been rotted out. But the original structure of that building We've had the Sanford Historical Society out. We've had the Seminole County people that are involved in historical restoration. They've walked through the building with us, and they are very, very encouraged that we decided not to tear that building down. So here's what's going to happen. We, we, as a church, are going to make the last days of that building better than the former days of that building. God is going to redeem that property for his glory and for his honor. And just like when we purchased this property in 2015, and this property was in complete disrepair, you couldn't have church in here because there was no electricity. 
All the copper had been ripped out of the building. All the air conditionings had been stolen out of, out of the building. All the electronics in the auditorium had been stolen. The building over here was left in disarray. The property was overgrown. As a matter of fact, I didn't even know that there was a white house on that property for a long time because it was completely covered in trees. So we've already done the clearing. Over the last couple of years, we've used it for a storeroom, and we've cleared all the stuff out. We bought a couple trailers and put all the church office stuff in there. And, and so I, we're getting ready to do something. We're getting ready to remodel the farmhouse. And I want to encourage you to, I want to encourage you, you have any inkling. How many of you ever like watch, watch HGTV and see Fixer Upper with Chip and Joe? Thank God for Chip and Joe. Amen. Thank God for Chip and Joe. They love Jesus. But they also got some great ideas on how to restore farmhouses. I mean, they just got some great ideas, and a lot of what we're going to do, we've taken some ideas from them on what the inside is going to look like. But today, we're going to be giving tours immediately following the service, and you can walk over, but we also have two golf carts out there. And uh, so Dave Stewart's going to be on one of those golf carts, and uh, he's going to be driving people over there, and someone else is going to be on the job. Maybe, how about TJ, right on here? You want to help us out here? Drive, take one of the golf carts and take people over there. Just got assignments right down the middle of the service. You like that? Amen. We're going to have a couple people out there and uh, they're taking you over there. But we've got a little handout like this. When you came in today, yeah, we're looking for some expertise. We're also looking for some people that can handle, you know, a little demo work. As soon as this service is over, tomorrow the building is going to be fumigated. We're going to just prevent any future damage, damage from termites. Uh, and so the next couple days we won't be able to do anything. But after the next few days, we're going to start the demolition inside of there. And if you'd like to be part of any of it, if you got technical skills, we need people that got a carpentry skills, mechanical skills, electrical, plumbing, plaster, drywall, painting, HVAC, flooring, interior decorating, paving. We're going to landscape the whole outside. We've got a landscape architecture in our church who's already made a beautiful design on the outside of that. And uh, you can check off the days on there. You can also go to our website. And right on the front page of the website, there's a place for you to sign up. And uh, someone will contact you about your availability. If you'd like to be part of this, if you'd like to be part of the farmhouse restoration. Yeah, help us make the, the, the last days, the last days of that building. I'm, I, I'm, my plan is to make that so nice that it's going to last way, way after my lifetime. Way, way after my lifetime. You know, God's, God wants to redeem and God wants to restore. And this weekend, this weekend, we focused, we really focused on building marriages. You know, our society has rejected the value of marriage. Our society doesn't put a high value on marriage. Most people live together before they get married. And, and so marriage has kind of been relegated as an old school philosophy. But not with God. From the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve. God had a very clear plan for marriage. And God's design was for marriage to succeed and to win. And that's why we did this weekend. That's why we did marriage mechanics. That's why we're doing this series. I know that it doesn't hit everyone. But here's what I've discovered. As I sat in the classes yesterday, as I sat in the seminar yesterday, and I was listening to the different speakers, I realized that the principles in a marriage aren't just for a marriage. They actually work in all of human relationships, all of human relationships. I mean, the goal, learning to love people, learning to serve people, learning how to minister isn't just for a married couple. It's for all people. One of the sessions yesterday, one of our couples, they're actually our, our marriage hub leaders. They're over the small group that to do with marriage and family. Ken and Georgia Peckett, they did such a phenomenal job in communicating an aspect of the marriage relationship. And today, I've asked them to share the session that they did yesterday. So can you give Ken and Georgia Peckett a great big hand? Come on, let's welcome them to the City Church stage. We're going to exit. I'm going to exit, and you're going to come on. God bless you guys. Thank you. Handoff. It's like the, you know, you've been watching the Winter Olympics. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> 
At least it wasn't like those speed skaters where they run around and they push them as they get on the going. So at least we did that. Yeah, you push me. There you go. <laughs> so hey, welcome. What we're going to talk about today is keeping the love tank full. How many of you need a full love tank? Come on. Yes, I knew you did. So yes, the core of what we're going to talk about is the five love languages. And again, a lot of you have probably heard this at some point in your life. I've heard it multiple times. We teach it regularly, and every time, it's a great reminder to me of all the things I'm not doing that I should be doing. <laughs> and yes, she does help me remember them. That's okay. Yeah, and I <laughs> remind myself too. Nobody's perfect, right? So, yeah. So, want to start here. Remember, we've all heard this before, the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Yeah? Or how's it you like to say it? I like to say treat others treat others the way you'd like to be treated. That's how I would tell my kids because they would be like, you, you, and I'd be like, just treat them the way you'd want to be treated. But you know what? That's a key thing. In fact, when I was preparing for this, they actually say every single religion has that somewhere in it. It's not just Christianity because it's a good thing to do. It's a natural law of the way God made us. I want to give us a verse here. Hebrews 10.24 says, And let us consider how to spur one another to love and to good works. That is, A, what we're doing here regularly. That's why we, do, that's why we have services. That's why there's a sermon, is to spur one another to love and good works. But you know what? Our lives are doing that with other people. Whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your boss, your co-workers, you know, the people you deal with all the time, we should be spurring them to love and good works. So probably 15, 20 years ago, I remember reading this book, sitting on the beach in Destin, Georgia, is it Destin, Florida? One of my favorite places to be on the beach. Uh, it was called The Platinum Rule. And they, it's just stuck in my brain. So The Platinum Rule says, do to others as they would have you do to them. Now th just think about that a second. Normally we think do unto others as we would have done to us, but that's about me. You really should be doing to others what they want done for them, okay? It's that, a that takes a little more thinking yeah. because we know how we would like to be treated, but we have to stop for a few minutes and think, okay, how, how would Ken like me to treat him? Not how I want Ken to treat me, but how, how does Ken want me to treat him? So, I'm going to ask you three questions. Relatively simple questions. They're here. What does your spouse, boss, child, parent, depending on where you are in life, do or fail to do that hurts you most deeply? You know, think about those moments. You've been sitting there and just like, oh. I, you know, that, that just bugged me. That really got to me today. You know, you go home from work and you complain to your spouse. You complain to somebody about from somebody else. Okay, think about that. We're going to come back to all these later. <laughs> these are to help you understand. What have you most often requested? Again, what do you say? I wish my wife would. I wish my boss would tell me I'm doing a great job. You know, what are those things that, you, that happen to you? And in what ways do you show other people that you care and love for them? How do you do that? You know, are you the person who takes the cake into work all the time? 
Stop doing that. Yeah. Some of us struggle here with cake. <laughs> Don't bring the cake to work. Thank you. I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> especially if there's anybody I work with in here, please don't stop. Um, so, but that's, that's showing things about you. So we'll come back to that. Okay, the five love languages, what are they? They are time, words, acts. I always have to look them up because I forget which ones I remember. Gifts and touch. Five of them. We're going to go through them all one by one. Let's talk about them. Think about those questions, because those questions will help you understand where you are. Who are you in all of this? So the first one is acts of service. Okay. Acts of service is as simple as it sounds. It's somebody doing something for you that makes you feel special, makes you feel loved, makes you feel important. So when we were first married... Um, acts of service, I, we, I didn't know, but acts of service is one of my big receiving and giving languages. Often what you'll find is that the things you receive the language in, you, you tend to give also. So Ken would come in from work. I wasn't working at that point. I, was, I had one last semester of college. He would come in from work, and I would have a big meal cooked. And he would say, and of course, you know, I'm from the South, and we know how to feed people. And he, sa- he would say, babe, who's coming to dinner? And I'm like, just us. And he'd be like, oh, okay. And so I cooked. And, of course, back then it was frying everything, you know, pound of cornbread, fried pork chops, um, homemade mashed potatoes, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, so I'm feeding him. I know where we're going for lunch. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm feeding him. And I'm loving him by serving. So then after dinner, after lunch, I, you know, wash the dishes, I dry the dishes, I'm getting the dishes back into the cabinet, I'm doing that. He's like, babe, come sit down with me. And I'm thinking, why? And he's like, come sit with me. And sometimes I would, and I can remember, I would be like, <laughs> and I would think, why are we sitting? And then I'd be like, I need just to finish a few things in the kitchen, and then I'll be done, I'll be right back. And that's how our marriage began because we were speaking two different languages. We didn't realize that he was seeking the, come sit down beside me. And I'm saying, I love you. I love you. Here are clean dishes. They're, in the, they're, they're put away in the cabinets for you. Your underwear is folded and put away in your drawer. Do you feel the love? He wasn't feeling the love. True. <laughs> so that's acts of service. Second is receiving of gifts hello okay thankfully ken and i neither one of us have strong gift giving love language so we're good because because especially because i'm cheap (laughs) and i and i'm I'm practical so you know god worked that out for us but if you have a spouse that loves to receive gifts you'll probably remember sometimes even when you bring it you know maybe you stop by the road on the way home and you you got a flower and you handed the flower and they were like that's because you gave a gift. The gifts do not have to be large and expensive. And I'm going to let Ken tell about one of my sisters. She's, she is the gift receiver. Oh, yeah. She loves gifts. And her husband has worked that out. Whether he did love languages or not, I actually have to ask him that question. Um, but, yeah, he did. Before they were married, he just learned. He could just show up with little gifts in the mailbox, you know, doing the little things. He would get stuff to be dropped off for her. There was an entire week oh. of he spelled out her name um, with gifts in the mailbox, and it would be something, and then he'd have a little note 
with the letters of her name. And it was, you know, every day. And she would be like, oh, she was living with us at that time. And she'd be like, hey, look, this is my papa. And I'm kind of like, okay, that's great. Fortunately, she was that because I was going, oh, great. Now I have to compete. <laughs> but I didn't have, so fortunately it didn't matter, so I was okay. Um, but what's interesting is at the moment, they're pastors. They literally moved into a new church building three weeks ago. In fact, they're being ordained today. They didn't know that before this morning, so I can say it now because it's probably happening as we speak. Um, <laughs> the church were doing it. They were trying to get us there, but obviously we're here. So um, they're busy. Priorities. Yeah. Her parents, who are older and have health issues, live with them. So they're in and out of the hospital. You know, they're taking them, dropping them off. They're in hospital for a week. They're trying to work. They're trying to go backwards and forwards. Stress. You know, we've been there. We have those times in our lives. But you know what's amazing? I watch her Facebook posts, her Instagram posts. What does she post? The picture of her sitting in that hotel room going, cup of coffee, look what my wonderful husband bought me today. You know, he went to Starbucks and got her a coffee. Sometimes McDonald's coffee. Yeah, yeah. She would have the McDonald's cup, but it was, it was the fact that he brought that gift. He knew that about her. Is he keeping the house clean? Is he doing all that? Probably not, actually, no. <laughs> but the thing is, that doesn't worry her, because that's not what she's caring about. He's showing her love the way she hears it. And honestly, for all of us, why spend your effort doing the things for people that aren't touching them? You know? I mean, we only have so much time. We can only do so many things. Let's be focused on the things that make a difference and grow the relationships. So the, the third love language is physical touch. Okay, physical touch, it can be a marital in intimacy. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We have kids in here. Or it can just literally be touching each other. Yeah. You know, there's just like Ken said in last service, we do some premarital counseling here, and you can always tell the people who come that physical touch is their thing. Yeah. There they are. Like oh, it's like... You know, we, we, we kind of want to be like, wow, they need a room. Maybe we should get them married right now. Um, but, you know, because they, they thrive on that. So physical touch, it's if you learn that that is your spouse's love language, it's little things. It's touching, you know, it's rubbing their back. It's grasping their hand when you're out in public because often that means a lot. They want you to mm -hmm. do that stake of this is my spouse and I will hold their hand in public even though I don't like it, you know, that sort of thing. And be aware of something here. Just because you don't have that love language that way, either of you, don't feel like because you don't walk down the street holding hands all the time that you have to, you're competing with other couples who do. You're different. It's okay. You guys do what's right for you. You know, we're all individuals here. So learn what's right for you. I loved one of the things Pastor Glenn talked about a lot yesterday was the rhythm. Learn the rhythms, the patterns, the languages, the ways to share with each other in the home, at work, with your kids. This all applies. The third love language, quality time. Hence, that's me. Hence Please why I was always saying. come sit beside me. Come sit down. Let's talk. You know, understand I can me. talk from the kitchen, babe. <laughs> I, I can hear you, hon. So, you know, those are the things that matter. For me, it's she has to understand. I hate, I hate it for her because I expect her to remember everybody I work with. 
the things I like and dislike about them. She knows the people who drive me crazy, and she's not allowed to say them because you people might know some of them. I, um, thought, I thought in the beginning I was going to have to take notes and get like a little notebook, um, and I would be like, Lord, please just say what you want to say. But for him, it's, it's focusing on his world and those people in it, and he, he wanted me to hear that and be a part of that. And that means it's, it's complete undivided attention because I like to multitask, so that means I'm not washing dishes at the same time. I'm not answering that text. I'm not, you know, saying, don't do that, dog. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not paying attention. Oh, hang on just a second. Ken, excuse me. Would you blah, blah? No, 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 no. So we, I have to make sure that we're deliberate and we take time away, and that is all devoted to him. So, and, and as you're hearing these, hopefully you're picking up on what's your thing. <laughs> you know, we're probably saying things and all going, uh-huh, uh-huh. When she does that, mm, you know. So be aware. And the fifth one is words of affirmation. This is my favorite one. <laughs> my favorite one. So words of affirmation is exactly what it says. It is finding words to use to affirm your spouse, to say you are the greatest. Yeah. When God gave you to me, I won the prize. You are an amazing mom. You're an incredible dad. You're an incredible kid. I love having you as my kid. I'll tell my kids that. I'll say, I love having you as my kid. I'm so glad God gave you to me and put you in my family. And whether or not that's their love language, that's building something. But for those of us that that's a love language, mm, that's like gold. I mean, I'm serious, people. I think if I had the choice between a million dollars and somebody feeding me in the love language of words of affirmation, I think I'd take the words. Take that mic away from you. <laughs> Can't be like, take the money and run, babe. I'll tell you good things. You're a good runner. You're yeah. a good runner. <laughs> so you know how to spend a million dollars well. <laughs> hey, I'll be happy. Obviously, what we're wanting you to do is to be thinking about where am I? What looks familiar? And please remember, there's no wrong right. love language. We're Go, all yeah. different. If we were all the same, how boring this place would be. Yes. If we were all me, y'all, I get on my own nerves. So I'm like, thank you, Jesus, we're not all me. I'd be the happy guy, but that's okay. I mean, sorry. Suck up. Words of affirmation, see? I'm learning, I'm learning. Um, but it is, that, and that's the other part. When you're dealing with somebody else, you've got to learn. You've got to practice. You've got to take those. I'll be honest, she tells me sometimes what I'm supposed to say because I'm a bit dumb. And sometimes she says it, and I go, oh, I say it now? Okay. Like, sometimes I'm like, yes, please. Because yeah. if it's been a hard day and that's your love language, you know, and you just feel broken, you know, I, I like burst into my boss's office the other day. I work as a counselor over on 2nd Street, and I said, do you have a minute? And she said, yes. I said, I need some encouragement right now, please. <laughs> and she goes, oh, okay. And, and she gave it out. But. That is part which we hope later to lead a, a small group and follow on with that and be able to flesh it out. But that's part of hearing what somebody needs and helping to feed that so that they get what they need and then also learning to ask for what you need in a good way, not like, you don't ever tell me anything nice about myself. Well, we don't, nobody wants to hear that. All right, we got to go to the next slide. We've got about three yeah. minutes. <laughs> hey. I'm the timekeeper. See? She's, for those of you who are there, she's the cleric in the group, so she's always following the rules. Yes. 
always. So go back to those three easy questions. Look at those. What does your spouse do or fail to do? The opposite is probably your love language. Those things you go, they hurt me when they don't, is because you're wanting something. You know, when your kids look at you and go, we never have time together. You're thinking, we homeschool, I'm with you (laughs) 24-7. You follow me into the bathroom. You know, you know that, come on. We've all been there, but yet, they're telling you something. You know, they're voicing what they need from you, their love language. Take those five words and think about them. Remember them. Um, So next steps. What are the next steps for you to do? First of all, we gave you three questions. There's a full survey at fivelovelanguages.com. Free. Write it down. Do it. (laughs) Your homework is to do that. Not just do it yourself, but do it with people around you. We did it with our kids. They actually gave it to us and thought it was hilarious. They're like, we want to ask you the questions. And we're like, okay. But there's also one on there for older kids, so you can do it with your teens. If you're wondering, you know, because teens turn into a different person when they become teens. Do you all remember being in your teens? I was a crazy woman. Mm -hmm. So that'll that'll help out because you can feed what that teen needs. You're already partway there. Get, Get the book, audio book, you know, Kindle, whatever's your way. Um, I'm in book publishing, and I so wish we had this book. I actually looked the numbers up between first and second service. It has sold over 5 million copies. It sells almost a million a year. It's crazy. I just think of the commission that could happen from that. Um, so, but this book, the, the reason is it's good. It's so good. They have one for teens. They have it for kids. They have it, I'm sure, for pets. I don't know. But they have it in multiple formats because you can find what you need for your circumstance to help you deal with the situations you're in. But learn more, learn more, do it, have the conversation. Over lunch today, driving home, before the end of the day, talk about it because that's what's going to change the way you treat each other, you understand each other, and build the marriage. And join a small group. How do you show love to other people if you're not actually with other people? Just saying. You know, the Bible calls us to stir up love and good works. Okay. You can't do that on your own, and you can't help be helped on your own. So join a small group. Okay, last few things. Number one, after you do this survey, make it personal. Ask your spouse, okay, if quality time is your love language, what does that mean to you? Because that quality time may be the sitting and the listening. For the thir- for our 13-year-old, it's playing board games. She's like, oh, I, I just want you to play games with me. Can, you, can we play game tonight? So ask that and personalize it. Because, you know, if, if, you're, if you've got a short amount of time every day, make it count. And then the last thing that you can do right now today is stop the flow of the negative and allow the positive to flourish and you're already a step ahead of the game. Can we give a great big hand? Thanks, guys. Stop the flow of the negative and allow the positive to begin to dominate your life, your thoughts, and your words. Uh, One of the best ways that I know for us to stop the negative is to get into the presence of God. One of the things that I know about God is that when I start to worship Him, 
I become aware of who he really is. And there's just something powerful after a word like this this morning for the challenge that we've received to finish in a time of worship, just allowing the love of God. I had early this morning, I just had this overwhelming sense of God's love, not just for me, but God's love for you. He loves you. He wants to fill you. The only way you can give love, the only way you can even want to work on the marriage mechanics or life mechanics or the five love languages is when you understand how much God really loves people. And we, the, the way that we demonstrate our love for God is how we love other people. We're going to stand together. I'm just going to spend the last couple minutes here. Miranda and the worship team quickly are going to lead us this morning. If you lift your hands towards heaven, come on, just allow the Holy Spirit. We believe... We believe today that God's spirit lives and dwells in those.